0: Good morning everybody. So, it's a long weekend. We need to start with something really controversial. Woo. Didn't think that would get a woo. Something This is a really controversial question I'm going to throw out that I heard thrown at me a couple weeks ago. Are you ready for it? It's really heavy. Who is the greatest superhero? I don't necessarily know the right answer for that, but I'm pretty sure that's not it. (laughs) Now, to get to the the greatest superhero, really the bigger question that's underneath that is what is the greatest superpower? If you had the ability to take on a superpower, what would you choose? Now, how many kids are here this morning? Kids, I want you to stand up. I'm so pumped that you're here. This is what we're going to do this morning, okay, to start before we go into God's word is I want adults, I want you to look around, because these are the experts. So ideally, you want to recruit one of the experts into your group, but I want you to go into groups of four or five, and we're going to take a minute, minute and a half here. I want you to answer this question. If you could have any superpower, any superpower in your life, what would it be? Now, that could be flight, that could be super strength, that could be the super ability to do your accounting in two seconds, whatever made-up superpower you want. But I'm telling you, these kids are the experts. So try and recruit them in your group. I want you just to quickly find about four or five people around you. If you could have any superpower in your life, what would you choose? All right, go for it. All right. Who can throw out what? What's kind of what do you think is the number one superpower we got? Okay. What's our number one superpower? A superpower, to get more A superpower to get more superpowers. I like the loophole there. Nice. Anybody else? Kate? Okay. Yeah, what do you got? The power of love. Wow, if Pastor Marlo was here today, that would bring an 80s ballad right now. Okay, good one. Good power of love. Anybody else? Yeah. Power of flight, I, would, I like that one too. Although I'm scared of height, so I don't know how well I'd use it. Okay, two more. Yep. Yeah. To change your power whenever you want. Okay, the two of you need to get together. I think you're kind of on the same wavelength here. Okay, one more. Yep. Yeah. Okay, you guys are all about the loophole here, but yes. <laughs> All right, so we've definitively determined that the best superpower is the one that can just get more superpowers. All right, you totally, totally took a different cue than what I thought, but that's smart. All right, so here's the thing. There's so many different superpowers we see in superheroes. You can have super strength, super speed, the power of flight, all these cool things. But they're oftentimes things that we can see. They're things that are evident that you have. Well, the Bible teaches us about a superpower that you have... That often isn't easy to see, and that is the power of our words. And so this morning, as we continue our series in the book of Proverbs, we're going to be talking about speech and the power of our words. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you first, before we go to Proverbs, I want you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, which is right beside the book of Proverbs. Almost right dead square in the middle of your Bible, if you open up. In Psalms chapter 33. And here we see, uh, uh, in the psalm, they're talking about God when he created the heavens and the earth. And it says this, in Psalms 33, verses 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and he stood firm. Not only you, but... Talk about a pretty amazing power. Can you imagine a power that meant you could make everything that is? If that was your superpower. That's actually even better than the ability to, like, grant wishes and make more superpowers. Because you actually own all the power. And the Bible tells us that God had the ability to make all that is and did. And he didn't do it by muscle and strength. The Bible tells us that God did it by his word. He spoke, and the heavens and the earth came into being. Can you imagine how powerful that is? God's words have amazing power. According to the Bible in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, it also tells us that God made you and he made me. He made all human beings. And when he did that, It says that God made us in His image, which means He made you to reflect, to be just like Him. Like your Creator, your words have power. Now, if you're old like me, or slightly older, you're probably familiar with this old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but someone say burns will never hurt me? Words. Apparently, I need to get my hearing checked. I'm like, I don't know the burns will never hurt me. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There is not a more untrue statement. I'm sure all of us have had experiences where words have hurt us. The Bible tells us that your words have power. Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says, both death and life are in the power of your tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words have power. So this morning, we're just going to talk for a few minutes about the power of your words. So first thing we need to know about the power of your words is that your words have the power to build up. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your words, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 10, verse 11 says this. The mouth of the righteous, those who have a right heart with God, is a well of life. That your words can actually bring life to others. Proverbs 15.4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. In Proverbs 12, in 18 and 19, it says that the tongue of the wise actually promotes health in others. That your words can actually build others up, encourage them, and bring health to them. Your words have the power to build people up. Now, how can they do that? In Proverbs 12, 25, it says this, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Anxiety, stress, things that that don't go the way we want, things that make us feel tense and stressed out, that make us worry, that it can cause depression. The reality is, is that the things in our lives that feel out of control often build anxiety in us and can lead to depression in our life, can lead to sadness in our life. it says here as well, but a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Now, I'm going to take a poll this morning. How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever been sad before? All right, perfect. Now, for those of you who have experienced sadness, I think it's most of us here, how many of you have ever had someone say something kind to you that made you feel better when you were sad? Yeah. You know the power of a kind word, the power of an encouraging word. Your words have the opportunity to build others up and to help dig others out of sadness. Now, it's not some magical thing if someone struggles with depression, with extreme sadness, If you say something nice, it's not going to suddenly make them always feel better. But when you speak true, kind, encouraging words to others, it builds them up so that they can recover, that they can feel better. That's one way that our words build up, is it encourages and builds others up that way. Another way is it can diffuse have you ever met someone that's and had a, a conversation with someone that's just really, really angry? The Bible tells us this in, in the book of Proverbs. A soft answer, responding to someone who's angry, a soft answer turns away wrath, turns away anger. But if you respond with a harsh word, it just makes them more angry. Again, we are called To respond to others in a way that builds them up, as that verse in Ephesians said, that it may benefit them. So your words have the power to build others up. With that, on the flip side, your words also have power to be able to destroy. Again, in the first verse that I read in Proverbs, it says life is in the power of tongue, but it also says that death is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous, those who have a right heart with God, is a well of life. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So this power to destroy can be seen in several ways. First of all, your tongue can have the power to actually destroy yourself. Proverbs 17.20 says, He who has a perverse tongue falls into evil that our own tongue can actually beat ourselves up. This can also be found when you have negative self-talk and believe, begin to believe things about yourself. That's oftentimes how Satan comes and brings destruction on people as he makes them feel horrible about themselves. Your words have the power to destroy yourself. And secondly, the, your words have a power to destroy others. Proverbs 12, 17 says, He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. I don't know if you guys have ever been pierced by a sword. I can't say I have, and I can't relate to that. So this is the best I can do. The piercing of a steak knife that goes through your finger. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. The one who speaks... Your, your tongue, your words, have the, the ability to actually hurt people like a sword going through them. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, again, taught about how a soft answer turns away wrath. But it says a harsh word will actually just stir up more anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools, it goes on to say, pours forth foolishness. Have you ever received just really bad advice from someone? Had a friend who told you something and you found out down the line it just wasn't true and it didn't help you out? Maybe it's you were driving and you got horrible instructions and three hours later, you realized, no, it was not left. It was right. Or perhaps you believed something that wasn't true that was told to you like I did when I was in junior high, I struggled with really understanding what my friends actually knew and what they thought they knew. And I remember I, I got through partway through grade 8 French. In BC, where I grew up, you had to do French all the way through to grade 11 in order to go to university. Hence why I parlez-vous Francais. That's about all I remember. Um, but, they, but in order to uh, kind of finish the year, I, I didn't really like the work that was involved in learning French. I just wanted to be able to eat my lunch. And so I had a friend of mine uh, going into our third of the first semester. I had a 97 in French class. My friend told me, you don't have to do any more work all year, and you'll probably pass. I believed him, and I did exactly as he said, and it didn't work out well. I reached. Uh, The end of the school term, with our final exam, which was worth 20% of my mark, and our teacher handed out our grades of where we are at. I had literally not paid attention for about five months. And I suddenly had a 41 going into our final exam and required, I think it was a 91 on my final. I had done zero work. Somehow I managed to pass that class. But I, I can tell you that the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. And with that, your words, when they're not truthful, can actually produce what's foolishness. It can lead people to make bad decisions and do poor things in their life. Your words have power. Now, kids, you've been doing a really good job, and you've been sitting for a long time. So do we have any kids this morning that would be willing to help me out and are looking to kind of get a little bit of energy off? Someone who does, I need probably at least like five, maybe even ten kids who don't mind like running around a little bit. Preschoolers are probably too young here. I just need some older kids. Any older kids who can help me out? Okay, Terry, can you come and help me in the front? I need five to 10 kids. If you want to help me out. Now parents, before, oh, I should have said this first of all. I'm gonna to have to tell you what's involved here. Parents, you need to know there are gonna be Nerf guns involved with this. So if you aren't comfortable with Nerf guns, I need you just to keep your kids, okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What I want you guys to do. I want you to follow Terry. He's going to take you over there. Now, he's going to give you a couple guns. I want you to hold on to them. To everybody's got them until I say go. Okay? Because some of you just need to burn off a little bit of steam today. I noticed that our volunteers changed drastically when the word Nerf gun was mentioned. I don't know what that's about. Okay. Now. Here's what I need you to do. If you get a Nerf gun, I want you to go stand in front of one of the tables, okay? Split yourselves up. Have a couple in front of each table. All right. Now. All right, some people already have strategy and are hiding behind the tables. That's smart. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. Everybody's got a gun? Do we have one more? Do we run out? We got one more. All right. Now, I need you to keep the fire over there, all right? We got a little bit of a buffer zone. No shooting at your parents. We're going to leave them alone. I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds. 30 seconds. You get to go bananas. Can you handle this? Okay. Now, we've only got, we've got a team of three. I need... I need another person, so we have a team of two. One of you girls, do you mind just joining over here? Perfect. Thank you. The last person who knelt and didn't hide is the one who's going. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to count down here. Five, four, three, two, one, go! Go! all right you might want to get behind your tables because you're not hitting anybody you got to get moving 10 seconds left 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 all right stay where you are I want you guys just to stand where you are stand where you are all right now here's the deal Our words have power. Our words have the ability to build others up, but our words also have the power to be able to bring destruction, to bring hurt, and to bring harm. Now, how many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you were hurt by those Nerf darts there? You okay? We're all right? Okay, so we've managed to survive. Some people were emotionally scarred over here, but generally we're doing okay. Now, sometimes you may think that, okay, our words are kind of like the Nerf gun. We can shoot them off and we're done. Here's the thing for our smart kids, because these are the ones who find the loophole about making extra wishes to get more superpowers, is that if they were to keep going, I guarantee you what they'd be doing is they'd be hunting for the bullets that are on the ground and reloading their gun. Why not, right? Get some more shots in. Sometimes we think of our words that way, is we think of our words as we can throw them out. If they work, they work, but if they don't, they don't. But that's not exactly how our words work. So, uh, Terry. Can you and Angie just help me out? Our words aren't really so much like a Nerf dart gun. But when you think of the power of your words and how they can attack people, what I would more liken it to is it's more like a water gun. You guys can go ahead. It's more like a water gun where like those... (laughs) There's chaos. All right, perfect. Can we give a hand clap to these kids who helped out? Great job, guys. You can leave your guns over there. And you guys just want to go find a seat back with your parents. I'm sorry, friend. I'm sorry. I didn't know he was going to do that to you. But our our words, sometimes we cheapen them. We think that, oh, we, we almost have like immutability, unlimited bullets that we can use. But the reality is, is we can't pick our words back up and put them in. You can't spew it out and then somehow put it back in your mouth. Once it's out, it's out. And to think about the weight and the power of the words that you speak. Because again, you can't take them back. The book of James says this. When we put bits, the little pieces that you put in a horse's mouth, in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal So that's how you get a horse to go the way you want. I don't ride horses, but hypothetically, I get that this is how it works. Or take ships as an example. Although they are very large, they are driven by strong winds, and and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, a piece under the water that steers the boat and tells it where to go. Likewise, your tongue, your words, your tongue is a small part of the body, But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It can corrupt the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we can praise God, just like we did this morning. We can sing worship to God. But it also, for some of us, it means that we can use our tongue to curse human beings who've been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. The tongue, your words have incredible power, and out of them you can choose how to use them to build up or to tear down. Your tongue in your life is like the rudder on a boat. It can set the course. Your words make a big difference in your life. Your testimony as a follower of Jesus can be compromised by the way that you speak to others. What you say about that person at school Adults, what you say about our Prime Minister, or the President of the U.S., or the President of Slovakia, I don't know, I don't want to just pick on the U.S., but anyone who's in leadership that you disagree with or view things differently then, or those off-color jokes that you make that are just a joke. The reality is, is that your words can bring destruction to others. And you need to think this through because just like these bullets, just like those water guns, you can't pick it back up and put it in. Once it's out, it's gone. So we need to learn how to tame or train our tongue. That's our final thing we're going to chat about here before we close together. Proverbs 13.3 says this, He who guards his mouth preserves his life but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction now he who guards his mouth preserves his life but he who opens his mouth wide opens wide his lips shall have destruction i want to tell you what this means this doesn't mean if you have a large mouth that you are destructive and it also doesn't mean that if you shouldn't talk it doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever use your words it means you need to control your words and we have the ability, with God's help, to be able to have our words change. Here's what the Bible teaches us about your tongue, about your words. First, it teaches that your words are an outflow of your heart. Talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I preached. But the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Jesus himself taught that it's not what's outside that that can bring destruction to us but it's what already is in us and that tends to come out of us when we say harsh rude cruel bad things it's not because of what's around us rather it's what we've allowed to come inside of us so in order to be able to tame your tongue in order to be able to change your words to make sure that they're ones that build others up we need to focus on our own heart change and that will help teach our mouths so with that, here are the things that help us to keep our words building others up. First of all, that our words are honest. Proverbs 12, says, God detests lying lips. He really dislikes them. But he delights in people who are trustworthy. Be a person who's trustworthy. Be a person who, when you say something, people can believe you because you tell the truth. Be honest. Secondly, Be slow to speak. Now kids, this doesn't mean you have to talk slow. But being slow to speak means that we take time to listen and think before we speak. Proverbs has a lot to say on this. Do you see a man with hasty or not thought through words? There is more hope For a foolish man, than for him. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Adults, this is helpful. Let me give you some practical advice. Whether it's talking with your spouse or in a board meeting, talking with a co worker, talking with a friend, when we are slow to speak, when you are surrounded by people even that you don't think you're smart enough even to be in the conversation. At the very least, when you are slow and simply listen, that alone will make you look a lot smarter. The worst thing you can be doing is just try to be a person who's fast to speak. Because that can just show the foolishness that's there. When you are slow to speak, it actually means that you also have the time to be able to listen to learn. So be slow to speak. Part of that, too, is be accountable for your words. Be accountable for the words that you speak be accountable for the words that you type equally. Your spoken word is just in, it's equal just as much with the written word that you send out. There's no room for people who are warriors online who like to dig at people and say horrible things through their keyboard or try to talk as if they know things when they don't. You only hurt others and truthfully you embarrass yourself. Be slow to speak. Be accountable for your words. Know when you speak, know what you're speaking of. Thirdly, be kind and be gracious. Be gracious even when you are spoken of poorly and you feel like you aren't being talked to nicely yourself. Again, a soft answer turns away wrath. There is a way to use knowledge rightly and there is a way to use knowledge incorrectly. When you are correcting someone, and this is something that I think in churches we really struggle with. Did you know that your Bible is actually meant not just to encourage others, but it actually is meant, yes, for exhortation, but also for teaching, for admonishing, for correcting even, that we're supposed to challenge each other. That's really hard to do. There are times where you might have to call someone on something in their life. God might call you to do that. If you have ever been in that situation and God's been a part of it, you know that that's not a fun experience. And it's not something where you come and you want to beat the person down, but rather it's done humbly. It's done rooted in love of wanting the betterment for the other person. Embarrassing someone is never going to help them in correcting them. Rather we do that lovingly. Matthew chapter 5 talks about how uh, Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If someone hurts you, hurt them back. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them uh, uh, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And what Jesus isn't saying is, he's not saying just don't have any backbone. And if you be a person who stands, what he's saying is, it's not about you. Live a life in an authentic way that's gracious and kind. Don't be about trying to earn what you think you deserve. Because the Bible actually makes it clear what we already deserved. And thankfully, God doesn't give it to us. He gives us better. Finally, use your words to give thanksgiving and praise. Uh, Ephesians 5.4 says, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Avoid coarse jokes and dirty jokes. That's a tough one, I think, for a lot of us. Because sometimes it's funny. But we need to think through our words and remember that our words either build up or they build destruction, and so think about what are your words doing. Think of your actions as if you were in the presence of royalty. Or if... If you're around the queen, how would you you speak? How would you talk? Or if you're at the deathbed of a loved one, how would you speak to them? When you speak to others, try to speak with the honor that you would want to show there. Recognize the weightiness of your words and give thanks. I don't think that's necessarily a practice for all of us, and it's not for me. I can find it a lot easier to complain than I can to give thanks But giving thanks, part of what that does is it it again goes back and it starts to change our hearts when we regularly make that a practice of giving thanks. And our hearts are what help changes our words. So with that, I want to encourage you to use your words wisely. Use your words to make a difference for God and the people around you. To build others up and not tear them down. I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me and we're going to close in a word of prayer. And I just want to pray for you because I I want to pray for two things for you this morning. The first is I want to pray that God would use your words wisely. That he'd help you to recognize the weight of your words and invest them in a powerful way in others. The second thing I want to do is I want to pray for some of the words that have been spoken over you. Because some of you have had harsh words that have actually brought destruction over you. And I want to pray that God helps heal you. Because those bullets have sunk in. They weren't Nerf darts. They didn't bounce off and fall to the floor. For some of you, you have carried the weight of pain, of words that have been spoken over by classmates, of words that have been spoken over by parents sometimes, by people that you've trusted in your life, by coworkers. perhaps for some of us by spouses, by those who are close to us the reality is is those don't just fall off and they don't just disappear. They're deep wounds. And there is nothing outside of the miraculous healing power of Jesus that actually really, truly treats and heals those wounds. So I want to pray for you. If you'll close your eyes with me, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this reminder this morning that you made us like you in so many ways. And one of the amazing ways you've made is you made us to have power with our words. Maybe we aren't able to have the power like you did. We don't speak and things are, are suddenly made, but God, you still made us to have power with our words just like you do. Can you help remind us today that you can use our words to build others up? I pray that you would teach us more how to do that. Change our hearts where they've been hurt. I pray right now for those who have carried real heaviness. I pray especially for, I pray for those who have been spoken to by classmates this morning. God, who have picked on their appearance, who have picked on their IQ, who have picked on their abilities, who have picked on the clothes they wear. And God, things that aren't true have been spoken over them, and those words have hurt, and they have been heavy. And I just pray for that pain. I pray, Jesus, this morning that they would find in you someone who truly loves them and actually knows them and can speak true words into their life. God, that you see them as beautiful. You see them as worthy. Something that has great worth. You see them as someone that you cared so much that you gave your son for. For those of us who have had brokenness in our lives because of things that have been spoken and lies that we've believed, I pray that that would be broken in Jesus' name. I pray today that you can again remind us that there is a mission for us, and you want to use our hands, you want to use our feet in that mission, but God, you also want to use our words. I pray we would, by speaking truth, and by speaking life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, Just before you go, I just want to give a practical challenge for you. Uh, Those of you who have kids, you've probably been seeing on the children's ministry page, we've had challenges each week. And if you haven't gone in on that, get on to the Eaglemont Kids Facebook page to get in on those. But I want all of us to take a challenge this week specifically. E.C. Sears in particular, I want you to think about someone in your church family. I want you to pray this prayer this week, today and every day this week. God, can you give me a word? Can you give me something to share with someone else that I know that will build them up? And I want you just to follow through on it. Ask God to give you something to share and speak to someone else. And just have, I know it's hard and it can feel awkward, but have boldness just to say, I really felt God encouraged me to share this with you this week. I want to give that as a challenge for you, just to take that on.